Thank you, Lord. Wow. Praise God. I want you to get your Bibles out. And I'm going to share a word with you. Okay, so go to Psalms 107. Psalms 107 is my favorite Psalms. I was reading it the other day and I saw all this stuff jumping. I, I, I could just preach on Psalms. If I was like, you know, like all I could get was one Psalms, I would take Psalms 107. You know, that, if that's the only one I could get. I was in a prison cell and I had one piece of paper in Psalms 107. could feast off of it for the rest of my life. And I, I think, I think, I think, I think, I'm just going to read it. We'll start at verse 1 and then I'll go back and preach. It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Everybody say, say so. so. Y'all are the redeemed of the Lord. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of all their distress. You see this through the whole Psalms 107. It's always the same thing. Everybody gets in trouble, cries out to God, and he delivers them. Verse 7 says, And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Those that sat in darkness in the shadow of death, bound in afflictions and irons, because they rebelled against the word of the words of the Lord and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their troubles and he saved them out of their distress. He brought them out of darkness and out of the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has broken the gates of bronze. He has cut the bars of iron in two. Fools because of their transgressions and because of their iniquities were afflicted. Their souls had hoard all manner of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distress. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Those that go down to the sea in ships and who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deeps. For he commanded for he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again into the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. They're at their wits end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brings them out of their distress. He calms the storm so that the waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. And so he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people. Let them praise him in the company of the elders. 
for he turns rivers into wildernesses and water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. And he turns the wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. And there he makes the hungry dwell that they may establish a city for a dwelling place and sow fields and plant vineyards that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them and they multiply greatly and he does not let their cattle decrease. When they were diminished and brought low through oppression and affliction and sorrow, and he poured contempt on princes and caused those that wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet he sets the poor on high, far from affliction, and makes their families like a flock. The righteous see it and rejoice, and all iniquity stops its mouth. Whoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Now, I mean, it's like a saga, right? It's like watching a soap opera. It's that they, everybody goes up and then they go down and then they go up and then they go down, right? Every time it's the same thing. They get themselves in trouble and then what do they do? They cry out to God and then God delivers them, okay? So that's a stressful thing, living like that. Hello? It is a stressful thing, even if you're living your life just fighting the normal battles of life, and, and, and if you're always in war, always in conflict, always in turmoil, always having to battle, 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 that can be a stressful thing. You can get yourself into where nothing looks good, no, you, you have no hope, no joy, no peace, okay? So I'm going to give you seven seven ways to get rid of stress. All right? Seven steps, seven ways to get rid of stress based off of Psalms 107. All right? You need to write them down, go look at them, and if you're stressed, if you do want to do these seven things, then stress is going to leave you, okay? Now, I want to go back to the first, Psalms to, uh, uh, verse 1. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy, gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness and were in, in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty, so their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Okay, the word distresses there comes from the word or it is the word, the root of it all, is the word stress. If you go look it up in the Hebrew, it means distresses, means distress and stress. Okay? So, man, have we ever been more stressed than we are right now? I mean, you just think about it. The American people, I heard a, 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 a report the other day that said 67% of the American people are angry. And I was like, well, I imagine so. I mean, we've come out of the last two years of just all kinds of craziness, and you're supposed to wear a mask, and not supposed to wear, put that mask on, and then take that mask off, and then this and that and the other, and we just said, I mean, you can't go anywhere. Everybody's grumpy. Everybody's uh, just, just, it just, it's a, it's a mess. All right. And so, the stress level is up, 
And we have to figure out how to cope in it because if the stress level of the world just comes heaping upon you and you get stressed and then you just become grumpy like everybody else, well, then you're not showing forth Jesus. And you, you heard what I preached Sunday about the baptism of the Holy Spirit was to form Christ in us. Well, you can't get Christ formed in you if there's nothing but cursing coming out of your mouth. All right. So here we go. Okay. So I'm just going to give them to you. I'm not going to take a lot of time on this tonight. I could preach for a year on these seven points, but I'm going to try to condense it down for the next 30 minutes. The number one thing is, number one, number one is this. Learn how to give thanks. Every morning, whether I'm, whether I'm starting out my day feeling good, I learned this a long time ago, reading a book from the, uh, a mighty man of God named Smith Wigglesworth. And Smith Wigglesworth said, I don't ask my body how I feel. I tell my body how I feel. He said, I will not be ruled by my flesh. I, my spirit rules my body. And I've thought about that so, so many times and thought, you know, that, that sounds good. But if you're hurting, you're hurting. And sometimes it's kind of hard to say, go out and do that. But I learned a, tr a key here is to be thankful, not, not thankful that you're hurting, but be thankful in who God is. So every morning I get up and I go out and I feed the animals and I walk around and I'm thankful. I say, God, I thank you for today. I thank you I'm alive today. I thank you there's breath in my lungs today. I thank you I can praise you, Lord. I thank you I got a Bible to read. I thank you, Lord God, that I'm not fighting for my life right now or getting eaten by a lion or, 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 you know, or, or any of these things. And I go around and think, God, I thank you that you're merciful. I thank you that, oh God, I thank you that you're saved me and I'm throwing out the corn and I'm feeding the animals. And God, I thank you that I'm saved. I think that I'm, no matter what happens today, I'm, a meteor takes me out right now. I'm headed to heaven. Lord, my house burned down right now. All the woes of Job come upon me. I'm still headed to heaven. I'm still a son of God. I'm still born again. I'm still going to walk in, in the blood of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for that. That's how you be thankful. Folks, listen to me. When you start doing that, I mean, it is just like it's just like every devil in hell has got to run because you are praising God and praise brings the presence of God into your life. Yeah. Now, I'll be honest with you. Some days I don't feel like doing that. Some days I feel like I want to wake up and I want to go outside and I want to complain about everything. I want to go outside and tell the Lord, why haven't you done this? I want to go to the I will petition the throne and say, why isn't this move fast enough? Or why is this going on? Or why is that happening? Or why is it? I want to get into that, but there's no sense in getting into it because 35 years of me serving the Lord, that ain't never got me nowhere. As Jesus said, worrying is not going to make you any taller. Well, I can tell you, complaining is not going to make you any happier. All right. So the first thing is here is you got to learn how to give thanks. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Thanksgiving is a being thankful to the Lord for who he is and what he has done is an amazing thing. Yeah. It is a it is a if you could see it, if there was like, you know how. Uh, you know how I don't, I, they still have them, I, I assume. But when we were kids, there's the first one, black lights started coming out. And you could do things, you could write with a pen, and then you turn a black light on, and then you could see it, okay? And so it's like if you can see the, what happens in, in the, the spiritual realm around you as you begin to be thankful. I'm telling you, it changes everything, changes all the dynamics around you. 
All right. Now, some people have gotten off and said, because the scripture says, be thankful in everything. And so they ended up saying, well, God, I thank you for this drought wren. Lord, I thank you that my well went dry. Lord, I thank you that the cat died and the dog died. And God, I thank you that you're doing this. You bound to be working something out. And I don't believe that at all. What I believe is, is you're thankful. Jesus said trials and tribulations will come. Things will be there. But you're thankful that God is God and he's working in your life and that his word's true. Okay. So let's get the thankfulness right. Okay, number two, number two. Second thing, it said here in uh, oh, verse one, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Listen to me. You're gonna have the hardest time in life keeping stress off your life if you do not believe that God is absolutely good. If you're believing that God may want to put sickness on you, may want to cause you to lose your job, may want to cause you to, you know, have a car wreck or, or, or you know, lose your leg or something like this because he's trying to teach you something. If you have that mindset that God maybe is doing that to you, I want to tell you something. You are going to have a hard time getting out of stress. I know God's good. I know God is absolutely good. I love the scripture, Exodus 34, 5. Uh, when, when Moses said, God, I'm not going to go into the land unless you're with me. And I'm not going to go in the land unless I see you. And he said, all right, get over there and get in the cleft of the rock and I'll pass by. And he declared who he was. And it says, now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgressions by sin, and by no means clearing the guilty. So he began to tell who he was. I'm a good God. And if you're wrestling with that, listen to me, if you're out there watching this broadcast and you're hearing this and you're wrestling with the fact that you don't know if God's good, you don't know if he's, he might send something bad or did, folks, listen to me, you're never going to have vict a victorious walk with, with, with your relationship with God if you don't believe he's good. <clears throat> That's like having a friend that you go to his house, but you don't know whether he might just hit you in the head of the bat. Who wants to go to his house? Hello? And you think God's like that? Uh, one minute he's like, come here, let me love you. Bam, 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 you know? No, that isn't God. God is absolutely good and you have to know that. You have to know that down in your heart. I'm telling you, you see, what happens is people begin to look at circumstances and situations to try to determine, is God good? And you cannot look at circumstances and situation to determine who, if God is good. You have to know what the word says if God's good. Because situations and circumstances can be manipulated by man. Hello? All right. Number three. He says in verse two, I believe. Oh, give thanks. Verse one says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his mercy endures forever. Third thing is you have to know God's mercy is fresh and anew every morning. Lamentations 3.22. Though the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassion faileth not, they are new every morning and great is his faithfulness. Listen to me. You may think or the devil may have gotten you convinced that God is kind of through with you because you keep messing up. But I want you to know every morning when you wake up and you open up your eyes, 
God's mercy is fresh and new towards you. Every morning, he's not like a parent who gets tired of the child. So just go away. I can't stand you right now. It's not a good thing as parents to be doing, but I know that happens. Hello? That's not God. His mercy is fresh and anew every morning. So when you wake up, no matter what the devil is trying to lie to you, is trying to get in your head that God doesn't love you or, or whatever is going on inside of your head, that's all bull. Because the word says his mercy is fresh and new that morning for you. I mean, he's got a sp- space all cleaned off right there at the, at the mercy seat to sit down and talk with you every morning. That's another thing to be thankful for. God, isn't it amazing? See, people want to make God out to be like their parents. So if you had a loving parent, and then you see a loving God. If you had an angry parent, you see an angry God. If you had an abusive parent, well, then you see an abusive God. But the truth of the matter is you cannot determine God, again, based on what somebody else is doing or somebody else is saying. You have to base God on what his word says. Isn't it amazing? <clears throat> if you were working for me and, and I told you, look, there's some cold water in the fridge and you want one, go get it. And it came back and, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon and you were just wore out. And, and you said, man, I just wish I had, if I could have just had some water, I might could have worked longer. And I said, well, I told you it's right there in the icebox, go get it. Well, I didn't really think you wanted me to drink that water. Well, if I didn't want you to drink the water, I wouldn't have told you there was water in there. Hello? Y'all wouldn't be that crazy and say, well, pastor, he said it, but I didn't really believe you'd do it. Well, isn't it amazing that God says it, but we don't really believe he's going to do it? Isn't it amazing that we take the almighty God and say, well, I know it's what God's word says. He loves me, but I don't really think he loves me. What? But his mercy is fresh and new for you every day. That means all the power God has towards you is always directed towards you, and it never wanes, it never stops, because every morning when you wake up, he's ready to pour himself out upon you again. And if you have to say, God, every morning I've gotten up, and it seems like every day I have failed, and he's like, today you're going to make it. And at the end of the day, you didn't make it, and you say, oh, God, I didn't make it. Next morning he wakes up and says, you're going to make it today. Woo, man. The fourth thing, the fourth thing is that he says here, what does he say over and over again throughout this whole uh, Psalms? He says, so his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. The fourth thing you have to know is that you have been delivered from the power of the devil. Now, this may make some of you mad. But you just can't get over it. Because just think about this. If the devil is lying to you, let's just use this to the fact that God loves you. And, but inside of you, what's going off in your head is the devil telling you or yourself telling you or your soul telling you, your mind telling you, whatever you want to call it, telling you God doesn't love you. But the word says God does love you. And you say, I know what your word says, but I just... I don't feel, I don't see how you could love me. Well, then you're listening to a lie. Would everybody admit that? Everybody admit, really? Y'all with me on this? You're listening to a lie, right? Where, who's the father of lies? Okay. 
So now we've established the point that the lie coming to you comes from the father of lies, the enemy, right? The devil. Okay. Well, if you're delivered, according to Colossians 1.13, he has delivered me from the power of darkness and conveyed me to the kingdom of his son. Then if you are delivered from his power, but you keep listening to him, does not that mean that the only one giving him the power is you? Because he has no power. But if you're listening to that power, that means you're giving him the power to torment you. Is that crazy or what? He doesn't have any power to torment you, but you're giving him. You're going up there to him and saying, okay, here, here's the ticket. Go ahead and abuse me. Just abuse me today. When you could have said, get out of here. Who are you to come talk to me? You have to know that God has delivered you from the power of the enemy. Okay? Number five. Number five is you have to know, because he says over and over in Psalms 107, that he, he delivered them over and over multiple times. He goes through there and keeps saying it, that he delivers and brings them out of the wilderness. He makes a way. You have to know that God will make a way. You can't see the way. It's not, this is what, you know, this is where we get, because see, faith requires us to walk without sight. But we want to see it. And then we'll believe it. Right? But you have to know, you, listen, you don't have to know how, you just have to know God will make a way. We get all caught up in trying to figure it out. And we waste emotional energy. We most waste time and spiritual strength trying to figure out how God's going to make it happen. When I'm telling you, you can't figure it out because there's too many things going on and there's no way to figure it out. What you have to say is, God, you're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Isaiah 43, 15 is the verse here. Isaiah 43, 15. He says, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters. God's going to make a way right through the sea if he has to. I was talking to the Lord about this and, I, and it was just kind of funny, the conversation, because I was saying, OK, Lord, why? Why go through the, pro, the, 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 the trouble of parting the Red Sea? It could have been easily, they could have routed around differently and did not go through the Red Sea. Why? Okay. Then I started saying, Jesus, and that brings up a point about you. Why did you just not get another boat when you went up to pray and told the disciples to go on? Why did you walk on the water? Now, the way I looked at it, if you were sitting in a boat and if you had somebody else rowing it, you're going to dispense less energy than you would if you were walking on the water. And I, and I was talking to the Lord about this, just bringing up different things and just bringing them up to him and saying, you know, why did you do this? And finally, it just like he stopped me and said, Robert, because I could. It's the only answer I got from the Holy Ghost, because I could. Just as simple. I walked on the water because I could, because I wanted to. I parted the Red Sea because I could. And see, we're trying to figure all these things out. 
We're trying to figure out how God's going to make a way. How's he going to get my, you know, my loved one delivered? How's he going to do this? And that's not our job. That brings stress on you when you're trying to figure out everything for everybody. Our job is to know that he is going to make a way. Thank him that he's going to make a way. Believe him that he's going to make a way. Speak his word over that situation. Keep it bathed in prayer. Keep thanking him, giving him praise for it, that he's going to make a way. It's not our job to figure it out. It's our job to walk in faith and to keep going forward. Amen? Amen. Okay. Number, that was number five. Got my numbering system wrong. Okay, number six. Number six. I'm fixing it. Okay, number six. Number six is simply this. Everyone, everything in that verse, the, those verses there in Psalms 107, when they cried out to the Lord, he heard their voice, and then he moved, right? First John 5, 14 and 15. You have to know that when you pray, or when you cry out to God, he hears your prayer. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, this is the word. This is the word. This is not Robert's doctrinal thinking. This is the word. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, everybody say anything. According to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that he have, we have the petitions that we have asked of him. What are you going to do about that word? That means that anytime you're talking, man, do you know how much talking must be going on in heaven? You ever think about that? When there's millions and millions and millions of people crying out to God, but he's taking care of it. And he says, I hear every prayer and every request that comes up. I hear every prayer and every request that's coming up. You cannot pray and God not hear you. Now, you may not be in the place you're supposed to be when the answer came because you ran off. But the mere fact to know that I can get on my knees, well, I don't have to get on my knees. I'm just saying I would be sincere in prayer and know God heard my prayer. Every prayer. The big ones and the little ones. The God Almighty is going to listen to you. Wow. What a privilege. What a privilege. Last one, number seven. It says there in verse 36 and through 38, it says, Therefore he makes the hungry to dwell, that they may establish a city for a dwelling place, and sow fields and plant vineyards, that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them, and they multiply greatly, and he does not let their cattle decrease. The seventh thing is, you have to learn to stay hungry. The moment you get, you feel like you're satisfied in your, where you are in your relationship with Jesus, the moment you begin to feel like you're satisfied, you better watch it because the next step coming into your life will be apathy. To where you say, well, I've grown enough, I'm big enough, I've matured enough, I'm okay. I'm okay with the status quo. This is good enough for me. But to learn to stay hungry. You know how you stay hungry? You keep eating. I've never tried this, but they say that people who 
like go on hunger strikes and stuff like that, that there's a certain period that if you've gone without food for so long, you're not hungry anymore. You don't want to eat. And I do know this is true, that when they, when they went in to uh, uh, deliver the, 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 the people in the concentration camps during the Holocaust and in Germany, one of the things that they had to watch and not do was to not go in and just give them a bunch of food because if they started eating all the food and they hadn't been eating, it would, it would kill them. They had to do it very slowly, very slowly, very slowly. So the thing about the trick to staying hungry for God is you've got to stay feasting on his word. Now, Proverbs 27, 7 says, a satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. In other words, if a person that's full, you're offering him honeycomb. When I was a kid, we used to have uh, people come out and set up beehives on our property, and I, I'm bunches of them. And so one of the deals was they could go, the guy could bring his beehives, put them out there, but we got honey. And it was always the, the one where they would have the comb in it. You know, you get the big jars of the honeycomb in it. Oh, me and my sister, man, we'd just fight to go in there, get a knife and reach in there, cut that, that, that waxy comb off and get it out and get some of that and then eat that thing and chew on that. Oh, man. But somebody that's not hungry for the things of God, it's like, oh, okay, Jesus is going to be preaching this week. Oh, well, I don't really have time to go. or Right? Y'all are having a, a true angelic choir sing. Well, you know, the, the, a satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. Listen, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. I don't know if anybody in here remembers Jim Scalise. Jim Scalise is a man that came in here years ago, and he was a he was a big guy, and he was in prison, and uh, had gotten saved, and and uh, he used to tell the story that he got saved in his cell. And then, so the next week he wanted to go to church and, you know, he's in prison. And so he went to the church and, 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 and he went. And then the next week he goes back to church and somebody says, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm going to church. And he said, what do you mean? And he says, well, I'm going to church. Well, but last week you went, it was the Baptist preacher preaching. He won't be back for two more weeks. This week is a Methodist preacher. And he says, I don't care. I don't know what you're even talking about. So he went to church. And then the next week he went in there and it was a Catholic priest. And he couldn't figure it out. He, didn't, he had no, never been to church slap, never seen anything, didn't know anything about any of the religious services, just thought everybody was doing their own deal. He didn't know that every service was a different denomination. So the guys are trying to explain to him. The other inmates are saying, look, it's all a different denomination. You know, if you're a Baptist, you go this week. If you're a Methodist, you go this week. If you're, if you're you know, whatever, you go this week. And he's like, what are you talking about? I just love Jesus and I just want to go to church. I just want to go into a place where God is. I don't care who's in there. Now, see, that's the hungry soul that even every bitter thing, sweet, you don't even, you don't even know what's going on. You maybe don't even like that, but you're so hungry for God, you could find God anywhere, anywhere, from the most beautiful cathedral to the mud pit somewhere in the, in the pig pit. You're going to find God. And the key to staying hungry is you have to keep feeding yourself. And you have to keep feeding on the word because the word is what heals you and delivers you. Amen. So you got to stay hungry. You got to know that when you cry out, God's going to hear you. You got to know God's going to make a way. You got to know God's going to deliver you from the enemies. You got to have know that God's mercy is fresh and new every morning. Hey, you got to know God's only good. And then the one I just love, you got to know, you got to learn how to give thanks. Seven simple points, and you're going to see your whole life change. 
This isn't just a message. I'm not preaching for my health. I could have been on the beat somewhere tonight. But I'm believing right now that somebody's hearing this word and somebody's going to take those seven points and you're going to start out your walk with Jesus and it's going to change your life. And you're going to get out of stress and you're going to get out of the problems and all the things that are overwhelming you, all the things that are look so great and so big and they think they're going to kill you. Listen to me. You're going to get out of it because you're going to do these seven points. It's going to change your life. Not because I preach it. It's because it's the word of God. and The word always works. Amen. Amen. So everybody stand up with me if you would. I want to pray over you. Praise God. Listen to me. I just, I just again want to say it. Do not be overwhelmed. Simply use these principles and watch God deliver you. The power of the Holy Spirit will flood into your house, flood into your life, and it'll change you. But you have to do something. And I'm giving you some direction tonight. So, Father, I just pray for people tonight. I pray for them all over, Lord, all over the world listening to the broadcast, all the ones in here tonight, Lord God. I just thank you that these, these seven simple principles out of Psalms 107 just grab their hearts. Lord, it, it can't turn, it won't, they won't turn loose of it. They're going to get out of stress because they're going to start walking in these principles, Lord. I declare, Lord God, just burn it into their hearts so that they'll never forget it, Lord. Let this word be heavy and lie heavy upon them. So that they know and they see where some of the errors of our ways are that we can, we, we're not going to get tripped up because we're going to do these things. So, Lord, I praise you for that. I thank you for a praise of thanksgiving coming out of everyone's lips. Lord, because you are a good God. You are only good. So, Lord, I ask you to bless them, bless their finances, bless their businesses, bless their giving, Lord God. And, Lord, we just give you praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you, church.